1: God's will for your life. Do you know what it is? How do you find out? What's the best way to go about understanding God's will for your life on any given situation? We're helping you with that coming up next here on Abounding Grace. Biggest issue in life, isn't it? God's will for our life. What is God's will for our life? How do we know? What is it we're supposed to be doing? We tend to make it worse and harder than it really is. God's will for our lives is pretty well laid out in scripture. All we have to do is open his book and find out. And that is what we're being encouraged to do by the Apostle Paul here in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, the perfect will of God. It's right there. Join us as we explore it together. With today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary.
2: Obviously, I don't need to take this job, because if I took this job, then it would prevent me from going to worship the Lord on Sunday. Does the Bible have a specific verse for you for that? No, God's Word itself, by transforming you, teaches you, I must Be a worshiper of God. I can't make life decisions that keep me from assembling with God's people, worshiping, calling upon him, seeking his face. This is what Paul is saying here, that the more we are transformed by God's word, the more our minds are renewed by it, and the more we are able to approve, yes, what God said is true. A single man. Really does not need to spend more time working in the fields before he builds his house. He really doesn't need to be like an emotional whirly bird always looking for some affirming affirming relationship. Someone might say, No, that's not what he means. And then ask, Well, is there a specific verse on that? No. But there is a general teaching of Scripture such as A wise man builds his home on the rock. Let a young man work in the field first and then build his house and other principles of Scripture. I'm just using these as an example that the more we are studying Scripture, all of Scripture being renewed by Scripture, the more our appetites, our propensities will be shaped not by whim, not by circumstances, but what God has said in His Word. Now, it should be observed here, as Paul says in Romans 12, the command there, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, therefore knowing God's will is a personal, vital concern for every child of God. Did you notice the we's and the me's there? It must be. It's so hard for us to do, though. Let's say you have a lawnmower. And right now, your lawn—you—and right now, what is your lawnmower thinking about? Granted, it's an animated object, and it's just sitting there. But do lawnmowers have dreams. Now, I know I'm really being silly, but the point is that lawnmower does what? It cuts my grass. That's all it does. It doesn't cook my dinner. It doesn't shine my shoes, it doesn't paint my house, although I wish it could, but all it does is mow the grass. And when it's not being used, what does it do? It just sits there doing its lawnmower thing, which is nothing, until the next time I have to kick it and get it started. Now I know that you're not a lawnmower, but you must forever get this firmly fixed in your mind. I have been created for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to find my life and joy, not in me, not in being what I want to do, but in doing my Father's will. This is the Lord Jesus' own testimony about himself. I always do those things that please my Father. Now, his obedience saved us because it's imputed to us, but it's imputed to us, and we are saved by it so that we can then imitate and reflect it. You have been created like your lawnmower to do one thing, to be joyful when you do this one thing, and that is to know God's will and to do it. And in mercy, in incredible mercy, he has given us all of Scripture, so we know what we are to do. Can you imagine if Job had had the Psalms? Just let that sink in. If Job had just had the Psalms, and you've got them. Can you imagine if some of the early apostolic churches had all the Scriptures? They may not have had so many problems. We have all of Scripture. We have everything, beloved, we need for life and for godliness to make us perfect, complete for every good work. What a privilege it is to be a Christian, living after the completion of Scripture. Now, you may say, Gary, you're kind of like worshipping the Bible, aren't you? No, I'm worshipping the God who spoke and in mercy gives us his word. The prophets only had bits and pieces. Hebrews 1.1, they, they only had a little bit, snippets here and there, the time and the place, but they didn't have it all. We have the whole thing, the entire Word of God. We ought to love it so much that we devote our free time to study it and meditate on it and memorize it. How much of God's Word do you really know? We've lived in that not-too-too-distant past where God's Word was banned and people went to the stake and had God's Word and made it public. So if you suddenly lost your Bible, and please don't think I'm being overly dramatic here, I am recognizing the trends we see around us today, which is in the West, the hatred for God and godliness. So if you did not have your Bible how much of it do you know? How much of it could you bring to mind in a pinch? When you are tempted now and your Bible is not with you and your smartphone is done for the moment, how much of the Bible can you remember and bring to mind? You see, if you want God, want to do God's will, it's just there. I've got to know his word. So, if I want to be good, Romans 12.2, Jesus said, there is only one good, and that is God. Thou art good, O Lord, and doest good, David said in Psalm 25, 9, and then he says, Teach me your judgments. That's pretty awful. Uh, pretty awesome, is it not? You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. As if what? Do you want to be a good person? Well, don't think of good only in terms of receiving only one cookie after dinner. Don't think of good in terms of the silly things men do and say today, like you can only weigh this much and look this way, and you've got to do that to look like this. It's all pure silliness. It is men making up rules because they are like children. They they have forgotten. There is nothing that is good but what God shows us. Micah 6, 8. I have showed you, O man, what is good. And that is to love the Lord and to walk humbly with him and to do justice. Where do we learn how to do good? God's will. God's word. Parents, may I suggest... You don't ever tell your children to be good unless you tell them to be obedient to God's word. Because there is not a standard of goodness somewhere out there that's not God's word, his will for our lives. He calls it God's acceptable standard, which means will well pleasing. We shouldn't be asking, does this please me? We should be asking, does this please the Lord? Does it please him that I look like this? Does it please him that I go there? Does it please him that I talk like this, dress like this? Does it please him? Now granted, some of these issues are difficult. We struggle with them. But again, that is why this part about the good and the perfect will of God comes after being the transformed and the renewed. Because the more we meditate on scripture, the more we are renewed by God's thoughts. And I can't do that for you, beloved. You have to take seriously. I am supposed to be a doer of the will of God. He has saved and redeemed me so that I can have the privilege and happiness of doing his will. The more you are in God's word, the more wisdom you will have in the specifics Now, have you ever wondered why some believers just seem to have wisdom in some specific areas more than others? Where did they get that? There is not a book in the Bible that says, here are those obscure questions that everyone would like to have answered, but no one really knows. No, but the Holy Spirit teaches us, only as we are in Scripture and meditating upon it, I don't need to go here because that is not wise. I need to go here because this is pleasing to him. We only know that from his word. Now, granted, not all believers are going to agree with these things. But I want us to think the same on this. And I do want to be very clear on this. And that is, we've got to be really careful that when we are meditating and transformed by Scripture, that if we come to convictions and conclusions that no one else has got, it is very likely we are wrong. Because the Holy Spirit does not make us solitary think tanks and isolated islands of virtue. He brings us into mind and will as revealed throughout the church, even throughout all history. So we've got to be real careful because there is a tendency in Reformed circles, unfortunately, to kind of think of the churches as a think tank. The third church is not a think tank. The church is a place where, well, we are all kind of a church, where we're that, and we're not this kind of church, we're not that kind of church, or we are this kind of church. No, we are the dwelling place of God. And that means he is teaching us, and that means our convictions need to be bounced off of each other. Because we may have gone astray here, or gone too far over there, or not gone far enough here. Please understand, if you want wisdom in the specifics, you've got to be doing the revealed will of God. Studying. Are you? I praise God that several years ago, listening to a sermon by rush dooney i was convinced i needed to spend more time meditating on god's word do you want to know the specifics then you have got to be committed to diligent study of god's word not just memorizing but meditating upon god's word think your thoughts less think god's thoughts more And you will be happier and holier. And God will lead you where he wants you to go. Turn now to Psalm 25 verse 9. We need to be reminded of this. Let's read verses 8 and 9. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he will teach sinners in the way. The meek. Will he guide in judgment? And the meek, will he teach his way? What is meekness? Yeah, humility is a part of it. Some translations say the humble. Well, meekness contains the fundamental idea of teachable teachable in us or tamed before God. Are you meek? Does God think you are meek? Does he say, Kurt is tamed before me where he wants to be taught? Is Alex teachable before me? Is Daniel teachable, tamed before me, where he is willing to give up his pet idols so that he can serve me according to my word? Because it says that the meek he will guide and judge. Think of the judgment as the specifics. What does the child particularly need for discipline, for encouragement, for instruction? So God will teach you things out of his word, how to apply his word, so that that particular child or your particular marriage, as you are meek before him and tamed, will be what he calls you to be. Pray for this. Lord, make me tame. Tame me. I don't want to tame you. One of the reasons we have so little joy in the Christian faith, so little power in godliness, is that we spend all our time trying to tame God rather than seeking to be tamed ourselves before him. Because our wild hearts are like bucking stallions wanting to go wherever we want to go. Sometimes, always under the name of Jesus and spirituality. But it is the meek he will guide and judge. The meek he will teach his way. Well, we make a transition now in Romans 12 and closing. Paul is about to tell us all kinds of things about spiritual gifts, loving one another, several magistrates, how to bear with different opinions within the body of Christ. Do you realize that if Scripture is not God's good and perfect will, then all the remainder of the book of Romans is just pious advice? So we can literally hate each other if we want, because God may have given me a secret will that hatred toward this person is pleasing to Him. I can curse the higher powers rather than submit to them if all that Scripture is, is a pointer to God's will. Then I can fill in the specifics like I want to. But you see, that is not how Paul takes it, and neither should we. Why? Because Christians... Christian living is not a spiritual free-for-all. I'm a rock and roll Christian. I'm a tattoo Christian. I'm a homeschooling Christian. I'm an R-rated movie-watching Christian. I'm a cussing Christian. I'm a Disney-loving Christian. I've heard all of these things. Guess what? We don't get to define what Christian living looks like. God defines it. And he says, I want you to be transformed. I want you to be renewed. What grace, beloved. You know, as I have told you many times, God wants you happy. He wants you to be blessed and joyful in obeying him. He says over and over again, this is the way, walk ye in it to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this rule. So make sure you apply this to yourself. Wait a minute, is my heart speaking to me the law and the testimony? Is my heart speaking to me the word of God? Or am I, or will I feel this way today and tomorrow? And maybe I will feel bad. I don't know why my circumstances are like this. And I've got this feeling and that feeling. Just put down your phone and get into the book Because here we learn God's good and acceptable and perfect will that will equip us, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, for every good work. So what was this sermon about? Okay, well, I just need to go home and read the Bible. No. Okay, well, I just need to memorize the Bible. No. Oh, well, maybe you're saying I just need to meditate on the Bible. No. Sure, those are all little snippets that are important but you've missed the point if that's what you think the living God still speaks alive loudly clearly through this word you might say well I want to hear him from the mountain Peter said I did follow the scriptures I heard him we stood on the mountain there Second Peter 1 And we heard the voice, but we have a more and sure way of testimony. So follow scripture. Why? Because that is God's will. That is God's voice, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The next time someone says to you, well, that's just your interpretation. Say back to them, not sarcastically or caustically, at least. I have an opinion. Do you? Because the only thing we need to be interpreting is God's word. What your feelings are. What you think you saw in the sky. What you read on some website is meaningless. Meaningless. What might you be wrestling with? Are you wrestling with God trying to get him to let you do something that you really want to do, but you know his word is not for it? But you think there will be an exception in your case. No, eternal in the heavens is where God's word stands. It is one of the most liberating days. It was one of the most liberating days in my life when I came to the realization that God does not have a set of special rules for me. God does not make exceptions to his will for me. He has spoken, and my joy is to be like Jesus. I always do those things that please my Father. He said, do you? That's why we need to get on our face. That is why he says the meek and the teachable, the humble, are the humble. So let me encourage you. Wrestle on your face. Wrestle before an open book. Wrestle and ask other people to help you. Wait a minute, am I just off base here? Let your personal convictions, particularly on secondary and to to, um, tertiary things, bring them into light of the day. Ask other people, are these things true? Just because I think they are doesn't mean they are. Am I teachable before the Lord? Am I tamed? Am I doing his good and perfect will? Am I pleasing him? Can you imagine? how the Lord would use our congregation and our families if every one of us just committed to the most important thing today, which is to love God's will, to know God's will, and to do it. That is the most important thing. It's more important, certainly, than how I feel. It's more important than if my children are misbehaving or if they're not matching up everything I think they should. That is, that is the most important thing is the Lord. And am I doing His will? Am I living for the glory of God by doing His will? May God give us grace in this. May He convince our hearts that the good, the well-pleasing, the perfect is His Word. He will. Just ask Him. Seek to be transformed and renewed by God's Word. And don't ever stop, my friends. If you could look back today and say there was a time... When I really was in the word. But. If you had to add a but. You got off track. That was a great thing that you were really in the word. And meditating and meditating on it and praying it. That was wonderful. But don't ever have to add a but. Because that is the way we are to walk with God. That is the way we get into heaven. Now granted we will ebb and we will flow. I do. I'm as weak as a newborn baby. But that is our goal. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Love God's word. In his law, he meditates day and night. May that be true of us. You might think, well, I'm not really a preacher. I know you're not. But we are all men and women and children made in God's image. And we are created to be happy when we hear the voice of our father in his written word amen let us pray father we do thank you for your word and we pray that you would continue to transform us and renew us by it so that we may show that your word is legitimate that it is perfect that it is good we pray that you would work in us by your spirit of truth forgive us in the church for thinking He is more of the spirit of making sure everything goes the way I want it to go rather than the spirit of holiness, of truth, and of sanctification. Impress these scriptures we have studied upon us and encourage us with them. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.